podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC and your daily reminder that the Reds are top of the league. Also in a cup final in the FA Cup fifth round and sitting pretty in the last 16 of the Europa League, if you don't mind. But it's not sustainable on a defence of massive flaws. Massive flaws, if you don't mind. Uh, Folks, how are we? Are we well? Are we over the initial shock of the news we received on Friday? I feel like I processed it quite quickly, but maybe I'm just some sort of sociopath, which is very possible. Um, By the time I did the late podcast with Trev and Harry, having done the Daily Red, having done Scouted with Carl, and having, for the last couple of years, sort of been looking beyond Jürgen, because during COVID, when his mother died, there was some suggestion that maybe he was running out of steam. And I think then I kind of started wondering what would be next, because I thought he would leave at the end of that contract, which was to be this summer. And then obviously last season was such a disaster. And by Jürgen's own admission, at most clubs, he would have been fired. Again, I started to process like what might be next. So while it was a shock, you know, the club does need to look forward. It's not and can't be Jürgen Klopp FC. It has to be Liverpool FC. It has to be about the future of the club. And as I've said multiple times, losing Jürgen the man is much harder than losing Jürgen, the manager. And it was really nice to hear that repeated verbatim uh, by somebody and then see them get lots and lots of credit for it, which was nice, you know? It's always nice to hear your own words repeated verbatim. But anyway, not that I'm bitter at all. Um, So Jürgen, the manager, is going. And that's what we have to separate from Jürgen, the man, going. Jürgen, the man, as Justin Wells said really well on... didn't mean that to come out like that, but Justin Wells wrote a piece, I think on LFC Offside. I think it was LFC Offside. Go to Justin Wells' um, Twitter account and you will find links to the piece he wrote. It's very good. And he describes Jürgen as a friend. And I think that's how most of us feel. Like, he's this guy that none of us have met, but you feel like you know him really well. You feel like he's your mate you feel like he'd be there for you when the shit hit the fan. That's what's hard to lose. Football managers are football managers. Yes, they come in varying shapes and sizes, varying degrees of good to great, some are bad, but 
football managers are, are just football managers. If you separate them from the human element of it, that doesn't make replacing him the manager as painful. Like I said, losing him as as the man, that's much more difficult. But there does seem to be there does seem to be a, a short list of three. And the three that I assumed would be the three is Xabi Alonso, Roberto De Zerbi, and Ruben Amron. Now, if you if you want to appoint the best manager, it's not Alonso. At this point, it's not Alonso. There's just no measurable metric that suggests that he's a better manager than either De Zerbi or Ruben Amram at this point in time. He's two years younger than De Zerbi, much less experienced, so potentially does have a higher ceiling than De Zerbi. But what would De Zerbi look like with better players? He's four years older than Amram and also significantly less experienced. So does he... Can we make a case that he has a higher ceiling than Amram, who's already a better manager and is four years younger? That's a tougher one. Most of the argument in favour of Xabi is that he's Xabi. That's the be-all and end-all. When you have discussions with people, they routinely circle back to, he's Xabi Alonso, he played for us. Because there isn't really a case that he's the best option as manager. Now, if you want to extend that list of three to other potentials, a lot of people have suggested Nagelsmann. I'd be a hard no on Nagelsmann at this point. Um, At Hoffenheim, I really liked him. Wasn't keen at Leipzig. He underachieved at Leipzig. And his time at Bayern really put me off because his man management was openly questioned repeatedly. And his players were utterly confused by what he was asking of them. And when he left, there was very little positive that came out about him and his tenure there. Now, he's still very young. Julian Nagelsmann is only like 26. So he's still really young. But he's with the German national team now anyway. And he is going to manage them for the Euros. And I would say that automatically rules him out of contention for us. I don't see any way he would walk away from the national team before the Euros. And frankly, if he did, I would think less of him. And we can't afford to wait until after the Euros to have him take over. We just can't. So I would rule him out straight away. Uh, Hansi Flick deserves consideration. Now, does he deserve strong consideration? I'm not sure, but he definitely deserves a passing look. He's a good manager. He did great work at Bayern. He won a European Cup. His time with the national team was a mess. Simple as that. That's why I don't think he'll be the pick. But what I would say is, if we wanted someone older, more experienced as like, someone to carry on Jürgen's work and fill a gap until someone like Alonso is absolutely ready. Because there's a chance Xabi might say, you know what, I'm not quite ready. There's a chance Bayer Leverkusen lose four in a row and he struggles to figure out how to get things back on track. 
And he has a moment where he thinks, I still have significant improvement to make. And he might decide to stay at Leverkusen another year, another two years. In which case, a short-term manager like Hansi Flick might make sense for us. Because we have a short window here with Mo, Allison, and Virgil that we need to capitalize on. We need to win now, next season, and the season after. And Hansi Flick has proven that he can win immediately like he did at Bayern. Took over a team that was floundering, a team that had very much given up on the previous manager, and he turned them into a European Cup winner. So he definitely deserves consideration. For similar reasons, so does Thomas Tuchel. Now, Tuchel's younger than Hansi Flick. The issue with Thomas Tuchel is he falls out with everybody. Now, not not so much as players, but directors of football, owners, board members, whoever he can fall out with, he will find a way to fall out with them. So that would be a knock against him. But again, he is a good manager. He's a European Cup winner. He deserves consideration. He absolutely does deserve consideration. Now, his Bayern team have not been good. He'll point to the fact that what he took over wasn't good, and he might be right. But he deserves some consideration. Again, it might not be like a deep dive, but he deserves a passing glance. Then there's Zinedine Zidane. Now, much of the thing with Xabi is people saying, oh, he's got the gravitas, he's got the name, he was a great player. Okay, well, Zinedine Zidane was a much better player. He's got more gravitas. He's a much bigger name. And he's a three-time European Cup winner as a manager. And, like, I don't know how good a manager Zinedine Zidane is. I don't know if he's the elite of the elite. But I do know that he has to be very fucking good to have won three European Cups in a row. I don't care what club it is. I don't care what team you're handed. Pep Guardiola had one of the greatest club teams ever and didn't win three straight European Cups. Arrigo Saki had, in my view, the greatest team ever assembled and didn't win three straight European Cups. Nobody wins three straight European Cups in the modern game. But Zidane did. And you can say, yeah, he had a great front line. Yeah, he had a great defence. Yeah, those are a great midfield, rather. Those players were there before him as well. And I know they won the European Cup under Ancelotti, but it's not like they were blowing teams away. They were much better under him than they had been under Carlo. They were better under him than they have been under Carlo since. And again, I know they won a European Cup since they didn't go back to back. There's just no way to write off winning three straight European Cups. And he won two La Ligas. And like, you look at the records he set as a manager. Longest winning streak in the history of La Liga, 16 games. That's shared with Pep. Most consecutive away wins in the history of La Liga, 13 games. 13 straight away wins is ridiculous. 
Manager with the lowest number of defeats after 100 games in the history of Spanish football. Eight. Eight defeats in 100 games. League games, no less. Manager with the most trophies after 100 games. Seven. Longest unbeaten run in Real Madrid history. Now think about that for a second. Longest unbeaten run in Real Madrid history. The greatest club on the planet who've won everything always. Longest unbeaten run in the history of Spanish football. Again, Guardiola was there with the best club team we've seen since the Saki team. And he didn't manage it. Longest scoring run in all competitions in European football. 73 games. Real Madrid scored at least one goal. The only manager in history to win two European Cups back-to-back since the Champions League era started. So we're 30 years into the Champions League era. He's the only one to go back-to-back and, of course, the only one to win three in a row. Like, Pep didn't even go back-to-back. Now, he might do it this year, but that's with industrial-scale cheating. And he's been there seven years. Zidane took over and did it. Quickest manager in the history of the top five leagues to win seven titles with a a single club. Quickest manager in the history of the top five leagues to win eight titles with a single club. The first manager to win consecutive European Super Cups since Arrigo Sacchi did it with Milan. He holds the record for the most best FIFA football coach awards with three. He's the only person to win the Onsdor as a player and a manager. The only person to win FIFA's player of the year and coach of the year award. Like, you just can't dismiss him. You just can't dismiss him. He has to be considered. Would he take the job? I have no idea. Does he have any interest in club football again? Who knows? I mean, if you'd won three European Cups in your first job, you might just go, you know what? I've completed that one. So I'm going to sit back and I'll just wait for the French job. I'm just going to wait for the French job. And when Deschamps eventually goes away, I'll walk into that job. I'll win a World Cup. And sure then, what have I got left to do? He might win a European Championships as well. Given the team he'd be taking over, given his record, I think he'd be in he'd be in fairly good shape. You want name recognition? You want a superstar as manager? Zinedine Zidane is the one to go for. Now, there is a a strong case for Alonso, obviously. He's a very, very promising young manager. He's having an outrageously good season with Leverkusen. And if he carries it on and improves on some of the flaws in his system, then he could be really, really special. There's a great thread by a chap called Alex. His Twitter handle is YAlexO, at YAlexO. Yalexo? I think it's Yalexo. That's what I'm going to go with. 
Um, Galaxo underscore. Check out his thread on Alonso. It's excellent. It's properly in-depth. And unlike most of the fluff, it actually highlights some of the flaws in his system. Some of the things that are great markers to watch his progress and his development between now and the end of the season. Does he work out how to fix those issues? And if he does join the club, are those issues still prevalent? So what would we look like under Alonso? Well, Ali would be in goal, obviously. You look at his back three, it's generally Top Sapper, Jonathan Tan in the middle, and Hincapié on the left. So he like and he does like to have that left footer there for his build-up play. So we would have Kanate, Virgil. We'd need that left footer. Now Joe Gomez will be the one at the club who could do that role in the interim if we were if it was to happen now, but obviously it wouldn't happen till summer. So a left-footed centre-back would be a priority, I think. Then his wing-backs. He uses Grimaldo as a playmaker on the left. So we would use Trent as the playmaker on the right. Then he uses Frimpong as a winger, a basic out-and-out winger on the right. So we would need to find a left-footed Frimpong. So Nuno Mendes at PSG could be available. You could potentially look at Alfonso Davies if he's serious about leaving Bayern Munich. If Barca's financial troubles keep up, someone like Balde. Purvis Estupinen seems a pretty obvious one. I'm not sure if they'd sell, but maybe Ian Matson of Chelsea. Now, Dortmund do have a first option to buy on him. He's not as quick as Frimpong either, but he's a really good attacking left back slash left wing back slash left winger. So he could be an option. He is a double pivot. He's got Palacios, who's kind of his ball winner, and then Xhaka, who's sort of the metronome in there. So Alexis would be the Xhaka. We need that Palacios type. And then you have Curtis Jones as the third starter who can play with either of them. Because he's not, it's, it's not heavily dependent on a pure, like, Mascherano, Kante type ball winner. It's more, there's more subtlety to it, more about blocking passing lanes, more about shielding the defense. But the pivot works as a, as a duo. So Xhaka has a lot of defensive responsibility as well. So if you were to bring in a Bubakar Kamara, or my preference would be a Lamine Kamara and Archie Gray, I think you'd get both of them for the price of Bubakar Kamara. I think you'd actually have money left over. Then you've got Lamine, Alexis, and Curtis, all starter quality. You can play any two of the three and rotate them and keep them healthy. Then you've got Endo for depth. You've got Besetic to develop, and you'd have Archie Gray in my scenario as well. So Besetic and and Gray would be your development pieces, and they can both play multiple positions as well. So you could use them as a wing-back if needed. You could play them in the back three if needed because they've both got experience in those kind of roles. 
through what might just be an academy level, but they could both slot in and play those roles. Not every game, but the odd game you need them to. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. So in that that 3-4, we need a left-side centre-back and an attacking left-wing-back. Left wing As things currently stand, with Jürgen, if he was to stay and play this same way, we need a left-back and a left-winger anyway. And we need that defensive midfielder. And again, we need that anyway. The three needs are the three needs. It's just two of them are different positions. Or sorry, one of them is a different position. This would be a left-sided centre back rather than a left winger, or a left wing back rather than a left winger, depending on what way you look at this current team and whether you'd prefer to bring in a Hincapié type or another Robertson type. So, in terms of our squad players behind them, like I, I went through the midfield and laid that out. I think Connor Bradley. And Robbo would be absolutely fine as the depth wingbacks. And really good to see um, Ramsey going to Bolton. He'd be another option as a depth wingback. Owen Beck has gone back to Dundee. Again, another option. We've also got Callum Scanlon. I think Luke Chambers could be depth at the left side centre-back role. I think he profiles more in that position than as a wing-back, and it is notable that he was linked to Leverkusen when Alonso had shifted to the back three. So I think that's where he would have been maybe the backup slash successor to Incapier after they sold him in the summer. So we'd have Chambers as a backup. Kwanzaa, obviously, the backup to Virgil in the middle role, perfect. And then Joe Gomez would be the, the primary backup in both wide centre-back roles. But if you were playing an entirely reserve back three, it would be Gomez right, Kwanzaa in the middle, Chambers left side. It fits all of them. Robertson as a left wing back fits like a glove. Plays there for Scotland, excels there for Scotland. Absolutely perfect. So everybody fits. Costas is sort of the odd man out. That's an easy sale. You'll get good money for Costas. The only one of the midfielders that doesn't really fit is Gravenberg. But a double pivot in a 3-4 is very different to a double pivot in a 4-2. So with work, maybe he can play in that role. If not, maybe you can use him a bit further forward. Maybe you find a good loan for him where he can go and play every game and develop for a year and you get back a more finished version. 
In the attack, he goes two behind one. One's a playmaker. One's more of a pace player. And then he's got a target man. So Darwin is the obvious target man. Cody Gakbo can play that role. Not as well. He's not great with his back to goal. He's not physical enough. Jota can play that role as well, though again, not not physic not physically commanding. Darwin is the perfect nine for Xabi. Dominic in the Florian Verts type role is ideal. And then Salah in the what was the Musa Diaby role. I mean, people have been trying to convince everybody that we should sign Musa Diaby. He's a good player, but has become drastically overrated. He's currently not getting his game at Villa every week. Um, but Salah in that role, that's pretty sensational. <laughs> Diaz and Gakpo also work in the two roles behind. Harvey Elliott works in one of the roles in behind. Xabi's shape fits our squad really well. And if you didn't want to buy anybody, you could get away with it because you could play Gomez as the left side centre-back. You could use Robbo as the left wing-back and you could use a Curtis Jones, Alexis McAllister double pivot. No question. So he could walk in tomorrow, put the players in his shape and it would work very, very well. In possession, he's got a lot more similarities to De Zerbi than he does to Klopp. He's not a proponent of long passing. It's short, patient build-ups, drawing teams onto you, and then playing through them at pace. Short passing and movement. It's good to watch. It is really good to watch. The issue is we have a couple of the best long passers in the world. So he would have to tweak it to bring that into his style. There's no question. It's an easier transition to Amarin. His style of football is a lot more similar to Jürgen than, than Jabby's. He likes to mix it up between short passing and long passing. He likes switches. He likes balls in behind. His team press more intensively than Jabi's. Jabi's team are a good pressing team. Amram's team are a great pressing team. Part of that is Amram has been there longer. His shape is exactly the same. It's a 3 4 2 1. His front three functions very, very similar. If you look at what Leverkusen do up front when everybody's fit, and you've got Victor Boniface obviously up front. You've got Florian Verts in one of the roles in behind and Jonas Hoffman in the other. Well, Amram, when everybody's fit and he's got everybody he wants available, he's got Victor Jokerez up front, that target man type of striker who brings others into the play. He's got a playmaking goal scoring player in behind in. Pote and Calves, and then he's got a pacey goal scorer in Marcus Edwards. It's a very, very similar makeup to the Alonso front three. You'd wonder if maybe Alonso has had a look around and seen what's working with the Zerbi and borrowed significantly for, from him. 
the Zerbi's wing backs are both wingers. He will let them fly forward. You look at what he did with Pedro Porro and Nuno Mendes and look at how he developed them. Another way he stands out from Alonso is he, he is better at youth development. He is a sensational development coach. Diamande, Inacio, Ugart, Matias Nunes, Jair Polina, Pedro Porro, Nuno Mendes, Poti Calves, and what he's doing with Jacarez this season. That's nearly an entire team of elite-level players that he has developed from basically scratch. That hasn't happened with Alonso yet, but he's not been there long enough. He's not been there long enough. He hasn't really blooded young players. Everybody who's playing for Alonso now was either there before him and in the team, or he's brought in like Hoffman, like Xhaka, like Boniface. Again, the makeup of the Amram back three is very similar. It's very similar. He's got two physical presence in Diamande, who's big and powerful and quick and decent on the ball. It's very similar to Ibu. And then he's got that big commanding presence in Sebastian Quates, former Liverpool player. Now, Virgil's obviously a much, much better option than him, much, much better option than Jonathan Ta, but, I mean, Coates and Ta are very similar in style. Ta is a bit quicker. They're very similar. And then they use that passing left-sided option. It's Goncalo Inacio at Sporting. It's obviously Hincapié at um, Leverkusen. Inacio is the better passer of the ball. His wing-backs bomb forward. Now, his two in the middle are a bit more combative. They're more like funnels than metronomes. They don't take much out of the ball. He wants them to get it and give it and keep it moving. Now, sometimes he will play Potic and Calves in his midfield too. He did last night. Um, if he was having an audition for anybody watching from Liverpool last night, Sporting beat Casapia 8-0. They were 5-0 up at half time, and he started to take important players off on about 50 to uh, give Casapia a chance. But what I saw last night was a sensational performance. Um, so, but he did bring Concalves back into the midfield pairing. Normally he plays in the two behind the one, but he played him in midfield last night. Now, that's in part because they're missing... Um, Morton Hillman is one of the regular starters in there and the other regular starter in there is often Marita who's the Japanese international but obviously he's away at the at the Asian Cup um, when he has those two they're both quite combative but they're both good on the ball they both move the ball well Again, it, it would work with the with the group that we have with that addition of a ball winner. Now, he might want someone a bit bigger and more physical than Lamine Kamara. He might prefer someone like Abubakar Kamara. He might prefer his former player, Zhao Polina. You look at, you know, Polina was there. Hulman is there. They're both big physical guys. Ugart is not massive, but he is very physical. He does tend to have that more traditional defensive midfielder in there. 
but that can work. That's absolutely fine. And they defend with a five-man piece. So your three centre-backs and the two sit in front. But the centre-backs, the wide ones, push very wide and become almost like full-backs, but they play out from there. They're involved in the build-up. It'll often become a 1-4, where only Coates sits. Diamande and Inacio push and form a four with the two central midfielders sitting in between them. Or sometimes the central midfielders will split and one will sit and the other one will go forward. That's what he used to do when he had Matthias Nunes and João Polina there. Polina would sit in, you'd have Inacio to his left and whoever was... Inacio would actually be to the right because he was playing right-side centre-back at the time. And Reese was normally the left-side centre-back, wasn't he? So you'd have him and they'd play from there. There's more variety to his build-up than there is to Alonso's build-up. Alonso's build-up is, is very, very similar to De Zerbi's build-up. It's really good. Like, it's really, really good. And Alonso is clearly a very good coach and clearly has great ideas. But I think Ruben Amram makes more sense for us. I think from a personality point of view, he's more similar to Klopp. He is... The, the one thing, whenever you read anything about him or you read an interview when someone talks about him, before they talk about what a great coach he is and his tactical side is spot on, his development side is immense, but the first thing they always talk about is what a great man-manager he is and how all of his players buy in all the time. And that, to me, is the biggest selling point with him. It really is. The tactical side, I mean, De Zerbi's a great tactician. Alonso's clearly a good tactician. That's fine. The development side is absolutely important. And I think him and De Zerbi, again, stand above Alonso. But with Alonso, it's purely because we don't have a body of work as yet. Now, he can point to Martin Zubamendi, who he had at Real Sociedad B, and say, well, there you go. That's what I can do. Great. Now do it three more times. Let's see you do it three more times. Because that's what the others have done. And more and more and more. I'm not against the Alonso. I want to make it clear. I'm not against the Alonso appointment at all. I think Alonso could be a great manager. He might well have a really high ceiling. We don't know yet. Because he's only been a manager for a year and a bit. A full-time manager. Before that, he was a, you know, a youth coach. I, I would like to see a bigger body of work. It's not like Amram has a huge body of work. He's only been a manager for four years. But in that time, he's won a league title. He's won three cups. And this season, he's on course to win another title and another cup. So there's, there is a significantly bigger body of work there than what we have with Alonso thus far. Now, if it's De Zerbi, his preference is a 4 2 3 1. Go Trent, Ibu, Virgil. He'd need a left back. You go Alexis plus one with Curtis again as that third rotating one. Dominic is the 10. 
Mo is playing right side in a 4-2-3-1 in this scenario, though. Is it the best use of Mo? Do you know what? Given how he uses the wide rolls, maybe. Because he doesn't ask that right winger to, to hug the touchline. You look at what he did with Solly March before Solly March got injured. Solly was in the form of his life and he was scoring goals for, for Solly March at a ridiculous rate. Getting him into incredible positions, getting him tappings because of how they built up on the other side. And if we could build up heavily down our left and not be as reliant on Trent and not be as reliant on Mo and have Mo more involved, like Trent could invert into midfield, which he was doing with Veltman to become almost a midfield three. So you defend with your two centre-backs, you've got three in front, your left-back and left-winger basically get in tandem down that left side, your 10 and your right-winger swap positions and move about, and then your nine is your your focal point. He'd need a defensive midfielder, a left-back, and a left-winger. Is Stupinen, I mean... Matoma, could you could you rob both of them off Brighton? Um, Estupin and Neto, that for me would be ideal. And then again, I, I think he'd be more than happy with Lamine Kamara. He's not looking for um, a massive ball winner. And Lamine Kamara and Alexis would have some similarities to Caicedo and Alexis. Estupin is obviously perfect for his system and has been ridiculous since Deserby landed there. I've seen people write Deserby off and say, oh, he's only at Brighton. All right, fair enough. Yeah, do you know how stupid you sound when you say things like that? Oh, he's struggling this season is a good one. Um, His team got through from probably the toughest group in the Europa League as the group winner. They're still in the FA Cup. And if we take a quick gander at the league table, when you say struggling, I just get confused by this because I look at a league table and I see Brighton in seventh. This is a Brighton team that before Deserby were largely a bottom half, were were actually just a bottom half team. The only knock on Deserby, and remember, Brighton have been absolutely wrecked by injuries this year. Look at the injuries they've had. And he lost Caicedo, and he lost Alexis, and he lost Levi Colwell. You take away three players out of anyone's team, and they're going to have some issues. The knock on him really is that he does struggle defensively. Do you think if you gave him Allison over uh, Jason Steele, it might improve things? I think it might. If you gave him Ebu over John Paul Van Hecke, would it improve things? I think it might. If you gave him Virgil van Dijk over Lewis fucking Dunk, do you think it might improve things? I think it might. I think if you gave him that triangle, if you put Alisson, Kanate and Virgil in the Brighton team with everything else they have, even with Veltman at right back, who's fallen off, but with a stupid in at left back, 
with Gilmore and Gross in midfield or Gilmore and Beliba or Beliba and Gross, whatever, or Beliba, Gilmore and Gross, as is often the case, as the three, with Matoma on the left wing, with Solly March on the right wing, and with Joe Pedro or Evan Ferguson up front, I reckon that's a top 14 under him. Now, give them back everybody fit. So you add into that mix, Jakob Motor, you add into that mix, Julio and Ciso, Simon Adingra. Yeah, that's a top 14. That's a top four team if you give them Virgil, Allison, and Ibu. Now give them Trent. Now give them Mo. Now give them Alexis. Now give them Dominic. Now give them Curtis. Now give them Jota and Darwin and Gakpo and Diaz. Still needs a left winger because I don't think Diaz would do it for him. Don't think he's the right type of winger for Deserbi. Deserbi as well, remember. Remember what he did with Domenico Berardi at Sassuolo and how his he exploded under Deserbi. Hi everyone. This month the channel is supporting a local charity based in Edinburgh called Steps to Hope. Steps to Hope helps support people who are experiencing homelessness and addiction. The founder of the charity, Richard Roncero, is currently doing a sleep rough campaign where he is sleeping rough on the streets in eight different cities for eight weeks. Please like, share and follow the Facebook page and if you can, donate. Thank you. That's what Mo would do, but Mo is already several levels above Berardi. So, you know, Mo would fit that system well. But you give him an elite 1v1 left winger. You give him an elite attacking left back. What Robbo was three years ago, but maybe a bit better on the ball in terms of dribbling. Robbo was a great crosser, a good passer, but never a great dribbler. You give him a stupid and you give him a Matoma or similar, similar level. And you give him that defensive midfielder, that Caicedo type. Deserby would win the league with us. He would. If he gets the players he needs, he would win the league with us. He's also a brilliant developmental coach. He's great at promoting youth. The issue is part structural at his team defensively, but our system has a structural defensive flaw. But we've got the two best centre-backs in the league, the best in the world, and arguably the third best in the world in Ibu. I would put Kim as the number two. You could make a case for Arreio. You could certainly make a strong case for Marquinhos, though I do think he is slightly on the decline. But a fully fit and honest Kim-Ibu? There's very few on that level. Very, very few. And then you give him the best goalkeeper in the world. That protects our defensive flaw. I think it could do the same for him. There's absolutely no question that Roberto De Zerbi is a candidate worth strong consideration. De Zerbi and Amram deserve every bit, if not more consideration, than Alonso. Alonso's the emotional pick. Carry on the work of Klopp. He's nothing like Klopp. He really isn't. He's not like Klopp in terms of personality. He's not like Klopp in terms of how, he, how his team play. He's not like Klopp in terms of how he manages. 
there's no comparison to be made. It's an emotional pick because he played for us and because he's Xabi Alonso. Again, I'm not against it. If he's the best candidate at the end of an in-depth search, fair. But the likes of Amram and Deserbi deserve every bit of not more consideration. And to see them dismissed by idiots on social media really does piss me off. To see Zidane dismissed really does piss me off as well. Zidane deserves some consideration. Does he tick every box? No. I don't see Zidane as being a long-term. But again, like I said with Hansi Flick, maybe he doesn't need to be. Maybe you're just looking for someone to come in and do the job for two or three years until you decide that De Zerbi is ready or that Amram is ready or that Alonso is ready. The issue is, by the time they're ready, they're probably gone elsewhere. And that's the risk. In three years' time, what will Chelsea be on? There's third manager from now. Arsenal may have changed managers. United will have changed managers. So they'll have gone looking. Real might have changed managers. Barca are going to change managers this summer. So they might take the Zerbi. Bayern are probably going to, are looking like they'll change managers as well. So they might take Ruben Amram. But we need to make sure that we're getting our pick. That we're not taking what's left. Another name that would have most likely gotten consideration and certainly would have deserved some consideration, though I do think he he probably needs an in-between job. Um, But he's actually, he's got an in-between job right now. It's just not the right one. But Matthias Jassel, who was at Red Bull Salzburg, he is, he is an excellent coach. Genuinely excellent. Did really good work with Red Bull. Now, look, winning the league there is a bit like getting a free toy with your happy meal. It sounds good. It doesn't mean much. But he made a stupid move in the summer by deciding to go and join Al-Ali. It's a really, really dumb move. He needs to come back to Europe, take a good job, whatever kind of level he can get a good job at. Could be could be Sporting when Ruben goes. Could be Leverkusen when Alonso goes. Could be Brighton when De Zerbi goes. But he needs that level of job. And then beyond that, beyond that, he might get a job like ours. But he's just one to keep an eye on for the longer term. Um, who else is worth consideration? You look at the Premier League, there isn't really anybody outside of De Zerbi. You look at the Bundesliga, it's, it's Tuchel, it's Alonso. I wouldn't be in favour of, of Tersic. Marco Rose, unfortunately, I do like him, but things fell off a cliff at Gladbach when he took the Dortmund job and then the Dortmund job did not go very well. Now, he's doing pretty well with Leipzig, 
but I want to see more from him. I really do. He's one maybe for further down the line, though he is 47, so he's older than the others. But I just feel like when you have two jobs that end the way Gladbach and Dortmund did, you, you need to prove a lot more. Now, he won a cup with, with Leipzig, which was a decent achievement for him. But there's still more that I, th- I feel like he needs to do. Um, Sebastian Hoynes, maybe, maybe one to to give consideration to at the moment. Uh, certainly doing tremendous work at Stuttgart. Has elevated them from relegation threatened mess to the third in the league. Um, now they're a distant third, but the third in the league nonetheless. He's one to keep an eye on, Sebastian Hoynes of uh, of Stuttgart. There's nobody else in the Bundesliga for now that would really pique my interest. Um, Dino Topmuller is interesting again, but he was at Stuttgart. No, he wasn't. He was at he was at Leipzig. He was at Leipzig as an assistant. And then he went to Bayern as an assistant under Nagelsmann. He's interesting, but he's only well, he's only what half a season into his time at Eintracht. It's going well, not great. Oliver Glasner wouldn't be an appointment. I don't think that it get too many people excited, but he is a good manager. And again, he's worth a look. He's worth a look. He won a Europa League with Eintracht Frankfurt. He got to the Champions League with Wolfsburg. He's worth a look. Wouldn't give him a long look, but a look nonetheless. Um, the French League, I, I would have zero interest at all in Luis Enrique. I'm just not a fan. Don't like how his teams play at all. I think he makes really strange decisions as well. Frank Hayes of Lons, no. Paolo Fonseca, no. Gennaro Gattuso, definitely not. Aidy Hooter, no. Francesco Farioli is interesting. The Nice manager, but he's only been at Nice for this season. He's definitely interesting, but he's very, very young. He's only 34. His team are great defensively, but they do struggle a little bit going forward. And that would be of concern. He's got he's got things to figure out, and he's still, like I say, really, really young. Uh, Will still is is another one that's really interesting, but he's only thirty one. He's been at Reims for what a year and three months. Um, interesting, without question. But like, you you're thirty one. We're not we're not giving you the job at this point. Maybe, maybe in three, four years, hopefully longer. Hopefully the next guy we get in lasts eight, nine years. And then after that, maybe Will still has uh, developed into one of the best managers in the world. But he's, he's interesting. Um, from La Liga, I mean, it won't be Carlo, obviously. 
I wouldn't have any interest in Xavi. I just, there's something about his him or his style of football that I just don't like. You wouldn't go Pellegrini. You wouldn't go Benitez again. Michelle at Girona, obviously they're having an incredible season. I think he's the name to watch to replace Guardiola. He's already in the City Football Group and they're all basically under the overwatch of Pep. Like they're trying to create a coaching factory with the City Football Group, similar to what Leipzig have done, but on a much bigger scale. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he's one of the front runners for the City job. Um, the only name, there's two names. People aren't going to like them. Ernesto Valverde is a really good manager with Athletic Bilbao. He's a really good manager. Um, I don't think people would be overly keen. Diego Simeone, whether people like it or not, is one of the three best managers in the world. And if you if you want to go and get the best, you go and get him. I don't think he'd take it. I think he's got too much power at, at Atleti. I think he hates England as a, as a whole. Being Argentinian, grew up in the era of the Falklands War, how he was portrayed by the media after the Beckham shenanigans. I don't think he'd take it. I don't even think he'd consider it. He's always said as well he'd like to go and manage in Italy if he leaves Atleti and manage one of the the, the two clubs he played for there, Inter and uh, and Lazio. So I, I just don't think he'd have interest. Um, but he's incredible. And people that dismiss his style of football just don't watch Atletico Madrid play. It's as simple as that. You just don't watch them play. Um, Syria. Again, I'm not... I'm not a big Simone and Zaghi fan. I think he's done well with Inter, but I, I, I liked his football at Lazio. I don't like it at, at um I don't like it at at Inter. I think they're quite dull to watch, to be honest. Um Gasparini his football's fun, but no. Uh would definitely not have any interests at all in the the business of um of Allegri. Tiago Mata is somebody that I've seen mentioned as an outside kind of suggestion. No, just no. Stefano Pioli be a hard pass. Mazzari is an obvious pass. Ivan Juric is fun, but the team are absolute dog shit defensively. Like, I mean, I mean, they are woeful defensively. He's managed 326 games in his career. With Montava, Crotone, three spells at Genoa, where he kept getting sacked and then rehired. And then Hellas Verona, now Torino. 326 games. He's, his teams have conceded 389 goals. They've only scored 386. So he's minus three in the goal column. And his team have also lost more games than they've won. 113 wins to 120 losses. Uh, his football is interesting. It's fun, but it's a hard no on him. Um, Alonso, Amram, Deserbi, Zidane. A look at Tuchel, but I'd imagine an interview with Tuchel would just be, uh, it would be a strict no straight away. He falls out with everybody. Everybody. Yeah. 
There's four. There's four names. I think. I'd be shocked if it's not one of them. I don't think it'll be Zidane. I just think he deserves really strong consideration. Because he ticks every box. He's a proven winner. He's clearly a good manager. Whether he's a great manager or not is up for debate. There's probably not enough of a sample size. But if you've been a manager for four and a half years and you've won two La Liga titles and three European Cups, chances are you're pretty good. Don't care who the players are. Chances are you're pretty good. And then he ticks the boxes for the people that just want a superstar and name recognition. Ticks them boxes as well. So he's worth he's worth a strong look. But I think it'll be one of the other three. There's not a bad choice between them. But I do think Alonso is the weakest candidate as a manager. Put aside the emotion, put aside his name. I think he's the weakest candidate as a manager. I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, actually, before I, before I go, I should probably tell you what we've got on AnfieldIndex.com. But before I get to that, very exciting news. Jurgen Klopp has confirmed that Thiago Alcantara has finally made his return to full training. He did say he needs time. But he is back in training. Alexis is back in training as well. But Thiago is back in full training. That is... I mean, that's porn. I'm tempted just to leave you at that and let you go and have a good time with yourselves. But before we do that, AnfieldIndex.com. Bobby Clark apparently heading out on loan. No names yet for what club he might go to, but Derby has been suggested to me. Um, There's a piece about potential director of football picks, and the name Tim Steedpen is coming back up, which very much excites me. Brilliant, brilliant talent spotter. Responsible for... Most of that Leverkusen team, Verts, Hincapié, Frimpong, Kasunu, they're all his. Even Boniface, who was signed after he left, was one of his. So he's one to very much keep an eye on. Uh, Owen Beck going back to Dundee. Jimbo James Pierce has reported that uh, Nat Phillips is on his way to Cardiff on loan. Just another endless loan. He needs to be sold in the summer. I don't care. I don't care if he goes for free. He needs to go in the summer. Let the boy go and have a career. Uh, Jan Mulby's take on the Mohamed Salah situation. Also there too. And then we have podcasts. There is Monday lunchtime. Very, very good. There is a Media Matters with Ben Boxack. Really, really good. Make sure you give that a listen. There's the Scouted for Chelsea. There is Rival Recon for Chelsea. And there is the new, under pressure, Dan Kennett, Hamza, and Simon Brundish um, going over cup games. This flies in the face of the, the mandate that I know some of them boys hold, which has been the Cups. But always, always a great listen when those three lads and and Phil Barker and Danny Rhodes, obviously, whenever them lads get together, it's always a very, very good pod. So do give that a listen too. And if you're looking for something non-football, myself and the good brother Trev Downey are, of course, 
doing two Buzz podcasts a week now. We've done episodes one and two of True Detective, season four. It's a belter so far. We will have episode three recording on Friday, so the pod will drop on Saturday. We've also got The Rock, which came out today. Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery. It's a tremendous film. We had a good look at that, a good chat about it. And we've got some other things up our sleeves. So do follow and do check out the Buzz podcast, myself and the good brother. It's it's my favorite thing that I'm doing right now. And it's not even close. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.